Hey everyone, welcome to Christ Community Church. My name is Andy, I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and we are so excited to have you with us this weekend. Joining me today is my good buddy Caleb, and we've got some announcements for y'all. Hey church, I'm so happy and glad that you would join us for this service. If you are at home online watching and you are in need of prayer, there is a request prayer button that you can go ahead and click on, and one of our online hosts would love to join you for some prayer. Also, if you are here in person or even online watching at home and you want prayer at any time throughout the week, you can go ahead and go to our website and find our prayer page, and you can go ahead and get connected with us for some more prayer as well. Awesome. One thing that we're kicking off this Sunday is our new discipleship class called Understanding the End Times. Uh, that's happening every week at 10, 10 a.m. in room 200. Uh, and then also online via Zoom, we have an option there as well. It's going to be covering topics like the rapture and the millennium and the tribulation, all different parts of end time prophecy. And so if you're all interested in any of those topics, each session is going to be on its own by itself and so you won't be lost if you have to start late or or if you can only pop in on a couple different sessions so if you're interested in any of that you can check that out and sign up for that class on our website as well also another amazing opportunity for you guys is baptisms this is happening next month on sunday may 16th after the 10:30 service if you feel like this is the next step for you in your faith walk then we would love to have you join us and the way that you can sign up is online at cccrochester.org slash baptism we would love and be so happy for you to join us in that next step Absolutely. Well, that's all the announcements that we've got for you this weekend. Uh, let's take this moment now and, and ready ourselves to step into worship. Uh, we're so excited to be able to praise our God and King. And then also we're going to hear from Pastor Daryl this weekend in our sermon series that we're walking through called What If He Does? Uh, just exploring the different promises of God and what it means for God to be fulfilling those promises. And so super excited about that. Would you join us today uh, with an open heart and an open mind as we step into what he has for us? Whether you're online or in person, we know the Holy Spirit's going to move in our worship time. So let's stand and sing together.
louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me. Let his praise arise, Christ be made. 
Father, that's what we want as we worship your great name is we wanna be refined in your image for your purpose. And for those of us who have met you, you know, for the first time when we accepted that great gift that you gave us, we were either figuratively or literally on our knees because of the weight of your glory and of your power and just of your presence. And that's the posture and the position that we want to go throughout our days and is just to be continuously on our knees. So for those of us in this place who have forgotten who you are and forgotten what your name can do, we wanna be brought back to that place of when we first met you. We want that newness, that restoration, that refining process to take place in, in here, in this moment. So God, as we enter into a place where we hear from your word, strip from us everything that's not from you so that we can meet with you and hear your sweet voice so that when we step from this place, we're changed and we're renewed. And we know in your name and with your power that you will do that. And we thank you for that promise. In your holy, precious name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and take a seat. Hey, let's uh, say thank you to the worship team. Would you join me in that? Good to see you. Um, welcome to Christ Community Church. My name is Daryl Holden. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm really glad to be with you. You guys are our in-person church. So you one more time, I help me welcome our online church too. They're with us by video today. Great to see you. Beautiful weekend we've got going here. Um, you could have been a lot of places today, so nobody would have blamed you. Thanks for coming to church. It's, it's really good, especially those of you with us last week on Sermon on Death and Dying, and like, you came back. It's, woo, that's, that's all good. Um, I'm excited to talk with you. I love this series that we're in about um, God's promises and what if he does, and, and how do we live our lives if he, if he actually comes through. Some of these great promises that he's made to us. So I wanna to talk to you today about a, uh, it's a promise that is that's familiar to a lot of us. We've heard it in a lot of different places. You maybe heard this verse, you've seen it on a meme, you've heard it on radio if you've listened to it. But it's, uh, well, it just gives life. And so I'm really excited for us to talk today from Romans chapter eight. So when I was in high school, um, our senior trip, our high school took the senior class on a trip to Boston. We were Oklahoma kids and we got to go to Boston, Massachusetts for our trip. And great, great trip, I still remember it. And um, we, did, we did some educational stuff, which like, why are you doing that to us in the last month of our senior year of high school? I know like high school kids now wanna learn to the very end, but back when I was in high school, you know, like about February, we're out of that deal. We had some educational stuff, and then we had, um, we got to do some fun stuff. Got to go to Red Sox game, got to eat fresh seafood, because again, we're Oklahoma people, we knew what fresh beef tasted like, but to get fresh seafood was amazing. We did a whale watch. If anybody's ever been on a whale watch, that was pretty incredible. We drove, we, well, we drove to the pier, it was a massive boat. We got this huge boat, and it was our senior class and a bunch of other people, and so we, pull away from the dock and we're going out to where the whales are, I guess. That, and um, man, the farther we got from shore, the smaller that boat got. And, and then we got where we couldn't see the land anymore and we found some whales and that was awesome. And then we got cut short on our whale watch because the storm blew up. And when the storm blew up, the waves hit and we're, we're out there. Can't see land, boats, doing a lot of this, people were getting sick, and for those of us who didn't, like that was, and, and we're 18 at the time, if now I would have had a lot of compassion, but then like people were sick, and that was kind of funny, and um, after a little bit of that, it kind of, it got a little nerve-wracking, because this, it looked like this huge boat when we left the dock, but now we're out in the middle, or a long ways away anyway, and it's not that big a boat compared to the waves that are going up and down and couldn't admit it at the time, again, because you know we're young, but that was, I was afraid. 
I was afraid because there's a lot of things I didn't know. I was a land kid, not a ocean kid. And so like, I don't know if that boat can handle what we're in. I'm hoping it can, but I don't know that it can. And I don't know if the guy who's driving the boat, if he knows how to drive a boat in a storm like this. Um, There's just so many things that we didn't know in all of that. Don't know how long we're gonna be out here. Or are we able to get, is this like a plane where you, if there's a storm, you gotta circle around till the storm goes away? Or is this like, can we just drive back? Um, a lot of things we didn't know, and it was, it was the uncertainty that caused that fear. And, and that's what uncertainty does. Uncertainty generates fear. And so we live in these really uncertain times. And there's a lot of things we don't know. And in times like these, what can happen to us is because of all the things we don't know, not only in the grand scheme of things, but in our own individual lives, because of all the things that we don't know, we can find ourselves living with fear. And what fear does is fear causes you to do things and actually to become somebody who is, like it's different than God's best for you. And so if you're, if you're living from a place of fear, you're, you're doing things and you're becoming a person who is not experiencing all that God has for you. And so I want us today to, to look at this promise that God has made to us recognizing that we are in uncertain times. And I mean, it's been really uncertain since COVID hit in March before that, but it was, it was uncertain before that, right? And when things settle down, we kind of, whatever the new normal is gonna be, it's gonna be uncertain after that. And so it's, it's not just the uniqueness of this period of time. There's always a lot of uncertainty in our lives. And so as we as we are people who recognize that there's just gonna be uncertainty in our lives, uncertainty can lead to fear, and that fear can lead me to do and be the kind of person like less than what God has for me. There's, there's some stuff I ought to know and hold on to and live from so that when it is most uncertain, I'm not, I'm not rocked towards fear and away from God's best. And so the promise we're gonna look at is in Romans chapter eight, and it's towards the end of that chapter, and it's just this little statement, um, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. All right, so, but to get there, <laughs> this actually becomes a promise. We gotta kind of wade into and through Romans chapter eight. Now, I, I have a lot of hesitancy doing this because Romans eight is one of those chapters in the Bible that we could probably spend, I don't know, six, eight, 10, 12 weeks on and not, not do it justice, and we're gonna just kinda skip along the surface of a few things, but they're important things, so we're gonna hang on to them, and, and we're gonna move quickly through this, so, so hang with me. So recognizing that these are uncertain times, there's, there's some stuff that you and I can know for certain, and in Romans chapter eight, there are a couple of places where the Apostle Paul, who wrote this, he, he starts his sentence with, with we know. So let me, let me point out to you a couple things that we know. First one's in Romans 8, 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. So he's referencing when Adam and Eve sinned, their sin opened the door for death to come into the world and when it's in Genesis chapter three, and from Genesis chapter three onward, it just, it wrecked creation. Their sin wrecked creation. So creation, the world around us, is not what God intended for it to be. And the image that Paul uses to pick up on that, he says we know that creation has been groaning like it's in childbirth from Genesis chapter three to the present day. And we know that, right? I mean, you just, you look at the different natural disasters that happen in our world, you look at, you look at stuff that's going on in different places and, and how hard it is to live just with, 
you go camping, you know, creation is, like it's, it's hard to live in creation. And on top of that, he says, not only so, verse 23, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, and he's talking about people who are believers in Jesus, we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies, and all of that is just a lot of words to say, we know there's something wrong too. In the world that we live in, we know that things are wrong. We, we look at, we look at our own little circles of influence and the, and the stuff that's happening in our own little circles and some of the relational stuff and the way we behave sometimes, things that we think and then the way other people behave towards us and you look at the grander scheme of things, you look at, you look at the cruelties and injustice in our world and, and we look at that and we say, hey, there's something wrong with this. There's something wrong with this and, and that produces in those of us who have God the Holy Spirit living inside of us we know there's a future where God is gonna take everything that's wrong and he's gonna make it right, and so there's this, there's this groaning inside of us because we're surrounded by and unwilling participants in all this stuff that's wrong, knowing that there's this future day. So, so we, know, we know we're living in a world where it's broken and it's not right, and that creates that creates this tension and grief within us. So we know those two things. And if you slide down to verse 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. So that's cool. That, that we know this too, we know that in this creation that is broken and groaning and in our current bodies and circumstances where we are groaning and experiencing a whole lot of things that aren't right, we know that what God does in all of that is he works all that stuff that's going on, like he works all of that together for good to those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. So, so we sit here as people who are saying yes to this love that God has for us and as we're saying yes to his love, that's loving him and we're saying yes to this calling that he's put on our lives to, to walk in relationship with him and all this stuff that we experience that creates that pain and tension and grief within us, God's working all of that together for our good and ultimately for his glory. And you would think like, well, this should be the promise we're talking about today. And we kinda are, right? <laughs> but this, this promise is not the, the main focus of the promise, but this is a great promise, that God's taken all that mess that, that we are touched by and he is, he's at work in that, and he's working it together for good for those of us who love him and who are called according to his promise. So, so holding on to these things that we know, there's a lot of other things we don't know, but holding on to these things that we know, we know that creation groans, we know that we groan because of all the mess, and then we know that in all this mess, God is working things together for our good, What then shall we say in response to these things? So this is verse 31. So there's three little pieces here as we work our way down through these four or five verses here. So the first, like, if God is for us, who could be against us? It's a question. So what do we say in response to this idea that he's working everything together for good of those who love him and are called? So, so what do we say to this? Well, if God is for us, who can be against us? And he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? So if this, if this eternally powerful, 
God over all, creator of all things, says, I'm for you, who could be against you? Well, the answer to that is, I mean, we, in the groaning world that we live in, who could be against you? Well, a lot, of, a lot of people could be against me. We've experienced that. You have people come against you all the time. You have circumstances that are against you. But the, the question is, it's not like just who could come against you, but who could be successful in coming against you? If God is for you, who could be against you? And that sentence there telling us about this God who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us? This, this is the God, how will he not also, along with Jesus, give you, give you what you need? And, and I read that, and what I hear in that is, in this world where there's so much uncertainty and groaning, it's really easy for us to think the test of God's love for us is, do I ever get to stop the groaning? It's my circumstances. The, the test of God's love is if my circumstances settle down and if everything's peaceful, calm, quiet, and good. But that's not ever, the, like the Bible never says that's the test of God's love for you. For, for us to sit and wonder, does God really love me? Well, let me look at my circumstances to decide that's not the test. The test is, does God really love me? Well, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. The test of God's love, the proof of God's love, is the cross that Jesus hung on. That he would give his son to die in your place, my place, that is, that is the greatest proof, that is the greatest demonstration of his love for you and for me. It, it has our circumstances, we live in a world that groaning is part of the deal. And it's not the groaning part that you and I decide whether or not we, he loves us, it's the cross where we decide. So, so what do we say in response to this idea that, that he's working all this stuff together for our good? Well, if God is for me, if this all-powerful creator God who gave his son, if he's for me, who could be against me? Nobody. Like There can be some coming against me, but there's, nobody is going to be victorious over me. So that's, that's the first question. So what should we say in response to these things? The next question is verse 33. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. So we have this, um, we have a family text, and a lot of you guys probably have family text. And um, this week, one of our um, more creative and dramatic kids texted, I wrote it down here. Do y'all have a voice and tone for God and for the other Bible characters while reading the Bible? Well, first of all, I got a kid reading the Bible, so that's good. Um, do, you, do, you have, do you have a a voice that you use for God when God speaks. When you're reading the Bible to yourself, do you hear God's voice somehow? And so I said, um, my answer, I don't have that. So I don't. Um, Marie answered, can honestly say I never thought about it. So we're, you know, we're getting, and then one of our other kids texted, <laughs> I use James Earl Jones's voice in my head for when God is speaking. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Remember, you know, from the Lion King. So, um, picture this with me. So you're in a courtroom, and it's not like, it's not a little courtroom, it's, a, it's like a heavenly, eternal kind of courtroom. And you're being judged for the stuff you did. Like you, you did it and you know. This, is, this isn't false accusation stuff. This is, you're there for some of that stuff maybe you're thinking about right now. And you are being accused, rightly. But you're standing, like you're standing there in front of the judge and Jesus is standing next to you and he's got his arm around you. And the accusations are coming, and 
the Lord God Almighty, judge on high, hears the accusations, looks at you, sees Jesus, and says, came do James Earl Jones, but man, I declare you to be righteous, like that. Just that says it like that. I declare you to be righteous. All that stuff that you did, we're wiping that away. I'm looking at you through my son, the righteous one, who has wrapped his righteousness around you, and I declare you to be righteous. So that, that's happened. In the heavenly realms, you haven't participated in it yet, but if you're a believer in Jesus, from, from God's perspective, that moment has already happened. You look at the the grammar of this little sentence that we're, ringing, that we're reading, it is God who justifies. It's, he's doing it. It's, it, is a, it is a done deal for you and for me as people who believe Jesus. He has said, I declare you to be righteous without regard for my righteousness because of Jesus. So if It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? So this awesome chapter of the Bible starts with, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because from God's perspective, when you're in Christ Jesus, he looks through Jesus to you. You are in Jesus and you are robed in his righteousness. So if, if you have been declared righteous by God Almighty, who condemns you? Well, some try. First John talks about our own heart trying to condemn us. And we've had those moments. We've all had those moments where something inside of you is saying things about you that Boy, they feel really true. They feel really true, but they don't line up with, I declare you to be righteous. And other people, other people condemn us. They're they're really quick to point fingers and to, to speak and heap condemnation on us. And they're... Their efforts to condemn. But those voices, the voice of your own heart, the voice of family, friends, culture, classmates, those voices can't really compete with, I declare you to be righteous. So, I mean, what do we say in response to this idea that, that God's working together in this, in this crazy, chaotic world we live in, God's working all that stuff together for our good? What do we say in response to that? In the face of condemnation, man, nobody, I have been declared to be righteous, nobody condemns me. That's, like, that's, what do we say in response to these things? And then the third thing, what then should we say in response to these things? Christ Jesus who died and more than that who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So when our youngest was in second or third grade, um, I was her coach of basketball in the little church league basketball thing that we had going at our church at that time. And we've got something similar that we host here. We're one of the churches that host it. So I was a coach and there was this weekend where this, the devotional that happened at halftime was this little, um, this little idea that nothing separates you from the love of Jesus. And so, so the illustration that they gave us as coaches was to grab a basketball and 
offer one of your little second, third graders an opportunity to pull that out of your hands. So I did. Like I had to hold the ball and I'm just like, okay, the, nobody separates you from the love of God. You're, you're as safe in God's hands as this basketball is in mine. Who wants to try to pull this out of my hands? Well, they all did. So at one point, like I had four little eight-year-old girls, however old second and third graders are, I had four little eight, nine-year-old girls hanging on that basketball trying to pull it out of my hands. You know what, they couldn't pull it out of my hands because I'm a grown man and they're eight, nine-year-old kids. And it's this simple little truth, but it's capital T, true. You are, you are wrapped in God's hands. You are, you are safer in his hands than that basketball was in mine with eight-year-old kids trying to pull it, trying to pull it out. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Once, once, he has, once he has embraced you, when you've said yes to his love and he embraces you, he's got you. He's got you. And, and nobody separates you from his love. So, so these verses go on asking this question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Like, look at that list. Those are real things. In, in a world that is groaning, in bodies with hearts that are groaning because of this world that we participate in, in the face of our own heart, which accuses and condemns, and others who would fire condemnation at us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble? We've experienced trouble. Hardship, we know about that. Persecution, maybe not as much. Maybe some of you, maybe. Famine, nakedness, danger, real life danger. Or sword. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And I think that little... Um, I think that little, it feels like a parenthesis. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But walk that back to these things that can't separate us from the love of God and look at those last two, particularly danger and sword. That's what he's talking about at the end of all that. He's talking about a life that's being poured out for somebody else. Can, can danger or sword separate me from the love of Christ and then the answer is, this is, this is the promise. No, verse 37, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So there's, this is the promise. That, that in trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, and sword, we, as people who have said yes to the love of Jesus and who have, who have been embraced by him, that in all that stuff that comes with living in a world that is groaning, in the face of all the condemnation and our own hearts even con condemning us, like in, in the middle of all of that, the answer is none of that stuff separates you from the love of God, matter of fact, in all of that, you are more than a conqueror through him who loved us. He goes on, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And he says it again, he's talking about separating, being separated from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's if you're wondering what this more than conquerors thing means. This more than conquerors thing is about 
There's nothing that separates you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. More than conquerors through Jesus who loves us, which means we're back to participating in his victory, not winning victories for ourselves. This more than conquerors thing means that, that regardless of what's going on, there's, there's victory to be had because I'm held by God. And, and not just held by him, but loved by him. And, and all the stuff he speaks into and he speaks over and he holds on and he, he leads and he guides and he fathers me through so that in all of these things, that I don't know, that I don't know. In all these things, I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. Nothing separates me from the love of God. And it, it's his love that propels and leads to and causes and brings about victory. So nothing separates me from the love of God in Christ Jesus my Lord, there's no circumstances that pry me from his hands. There's no voice of condemnation that gets louder than, than his declaration that I am righteous in Jesus. Nothing, nothing separates me from that. So, so I get to be more than a conqueror because I'm never separated from him. And so I just keep looking at this saying, okay, here's, this, is, this is the real thing. If this is, if this is true, if, if I'm sort of the basketball and and the Lord has me and all this other stuff are third graders trying to pull me out of his hands and it is impossible for them to do so, what does this mean for me? Right? What if he does, right? What if, what if he does, what if, what if this idea of being more than a conqueror is real? What if, it's, what if it's not some ideal out here that we can never achieve? What if it's, something, what if it's not for somebody else? What if it's actually for me? If, what if he does, what if he causes me to be more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus? So I've, I've got a few things for us because this is a really big promise. This isn't a small one. None of these promises we're talking about in this series are small. This isn't small. This, this is a big promise. It sounds too good to be true. That I'm never separated from his love. That there's not a voice that can speak over his not even my own heart, that, that the trouble that I run into and the persecution that I face and the hardships, whatever it comes to, none of that separates me from him. That's a monster promise. So what if God, who is in the business of being faithful to his promises, what if God actually comes through in all this? I got a few things, and I've actually framed them for us through some Old Testament statements where mostly God looks at his people through the prophets and says, you have eyes, but you don't see. You have ears, but you don't hear. You have a heart, but you don't understand. And then there's one place in Ezekiel chapter 40 where he's talking to his prophet and he says, hey, see this, hear this, understand this with your heart. And so, okay, I'm just processing for us we could see, we could hear, if our heart could understand where this might take us. So the first one is, if God really comes through on this, our eyes get to see beyond our groan-filled circumstances. What, what you see in the world around you doesn't have to be your full reality. Four different times, maybe five, four or five times in the New Testament, we're told by different people who are writing to count it all joy when you enter into various trials. Because those, those trials knock the fluff off of you, basically. The spiritual fluff, the, the spiritual silliness, the suffering does that in our lives, it, it allows us to, to know God in ways that we would not know him if we did not suffer. He's, he refers to himself as like the God of all comfort. If you'd never, 
if you'd never experienced pain or sadness, you wouldn't know the, the comfort of God. So, so this, these sufferings, they purify our faith and they, they knock the fluff off of us and help us be more real and, and know the Lord. So we can look past the suffering that's going on, the groan-filled circumstances, and see that there's this God who's working things for good. So there's this church father named John Chrysostom. He lived from 349 to 407 AD. It's a long time ago, but he, he wrote this. And he's one of those guys that never uses a small word where a big word will do, so I, I think I've given you this for the screen. He says that yet those that be against us, so far are they from thwarting us at all that even without their will, they become to us the causes of crowns and procurers of countless blessings in that God's wisdom turneth their plots unto salvation and glory. See how really no one is against us. And, and so this this God who makes us to be more than conquerors because we are more than conquerors, we, we can see past our groan-filled circumstances. That's the first thing, what if he does? The second thing, our ears will hear God's grace voice. So this means that you could ignore the accusations and the condemnation that your own heart, that people in your circle, on your social media feeds, our culture, that they would lob at you, that Satan, your great enemy, who is an accuser and a liar, shoot across your path, ignore all that because God on high has looked at you and said I declare you to be righteous and it would be his voice that you that you listen to and that you could hear because he says things like I mean, he boomed it at Jesus out of heaven's baptism. This is my beloved son. With you, I'm well pleased. He says that over his children. This is my beloved child. With you, I'm well pleased. And, and he says things like, we know that it comes at end of days, but it also comes in these days, well done, good and faithful servant. And, and if we need to be called out, it's, it's a calling up, it's a calling towards, it's a, hey, this is the path of life, walk in this one. It's, it's not condemnation, it's not accusation, it's not a pushing down or a pushing away, it's a come to me, come to me, come to me, this is not the path that leads to life, come to me. And and if we are more than conquerors, then, then there's a different voice. And for those of us who struggle, because this is a big one, this is a big one in people's lives, <laughs> all of our lives. This, my recommendation to you would be when you are hearing accusation or condemnation, you just ask the Lord what he says about this. You can ask him to speak into and to speak over whatever is going on in your heart or in your mind. Listen to the voice that offers life. That's, that's the one you wanna walk toward, that's the one you wanna give open ears to, not, not the condemning, not the pushing down, not the, not the pushing away, but, but the voice that speaks grace into and over 
you. And so, so we have ears that hear God's grace voice for us because he, he loves you. He loves you and he's given his son for you and if he gave you his son, as we read a few minutes ago, he'll give you the other stuff too. And so, so you could listen for his grace-filled voice. And then this third thing is that our hearts are gonna understand the Lord's unfailing love. So God's love for you and God's love for me is unconditional. And what that means is there's really nothing I can do, you can do that would make him love you anymore or love you any less. Until you experience God's love, you've only experienced conditional love. We try, we try to love others unconditionally, but we're human and we fall short. So until you experience God's love, you don't know unconditional love. And there's this idea, if you read through the Psalms particularly, there are different words that are used to describe God's love. Um, steadfast and unfailing are, are two of the main terms that talk about his, he has steadfast, unfailing love for you. And the Hebrew word, because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, that describes this word is hesed, H-E-S-E-D is how we would transliterate that into English. That's about covenant. It's not about emotion. There's emotion involved, for sure, but it's not, it's not about how I feel. It's about, it's about covenant. And God has made this unilateral promise to love you unconditionally. And, and when you begin to feel that, know that, experience that in your heart, change, that changes everything, changes everything. That's, that's more than conquerors. To be loved unconditionally in the midst of all the mess that is part of our world, to know that you are loved unconditionally by Almighty God, that, that's more than conquerors. And so our hearts get to understand the Lord's unfailing, steadfast, covenant love for us. And then I've got this fourth thing. We'll be free to turn away from self to love and serve others. So as I was prepping for our time together this weekend, the, the verse that kept jumping off the page at me is verse 36 from chapter eight. It's a quote from Psalm 44. For your sake, we face death, we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. For your sake, that's, not a, that's a reference to the people he was writing to. The apostle Paul was writing about himself. And he said, for, for the sake of the people that I serve, I face death all day long. And the reason he was able to face death all day long for the well-being, the spiritual well-being of other people was because he knew he was more than a conqueror through him who loved us. And, and so this, this solid certainty of I, I am more than a conqueror allows me to turn away from self and to love and serve other people to stand in the face of, of whatever's coming at me that this groaning world and culture pushes my direction, I can, I can turn away from my natural, selfish, protect me, grab on to mine tendencies and love with God's kind of love and serve with Jesus's kind of service that like I can serve the the people who are around me, and as I love and serve them, they get to know this God who would offer them more than a conqueror position as well. And so, so God has given you, and he's given me, 
everything we need to be able to have the kind of impact that he created you to have, to make the kind of difference in the lives of other people that he created you to make, to represent him in the circles in which you run. He's, he has given you everything you need to stand in the face of, of whatever you stand in and to hear whatever comes at you. He has, he has fully equipped you to be able to stand in his love, his unconditional, faithful, covenant love and extend that love to the people who are around you. Because no matter what comes your way for doing that, no matter what comes your way for doing that, you are more than a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror through him who loves you. So what if, like, what if he does? What could your life look like if you walked out of here into your circles of influence this week believing that nothing separates you from his love and therefore you are more than a conqueror through this one who loves you. So I wanna pray that over you and for us. Would you guys please bow your head and close your eyes with me? So Father, I'm just gonna start by saying thank you. We know, if we're really honest, we know there's not much that is, that is lovable or lovely about us from your perspective. And yet, you have loved us with an everlasting love. So thank you for being the God who is love and for letting us experience you that way. Thank you for being over and above all the mess of our lives in this world in which we live. Thank you for for all that stuff that's pressing against us that is intended for evil, you turn that for good. Thank you for declaring us to be righteous with your authoritative, sovereign, creator, powerful voice. Thank you for making us to be more than conquerors. Really grateful that Really grateful that nothing's gonna, nothing's gonna separate me from your love. So I pray, I pray for myself, I pray for my friends, that we would, we would go in confidence, that we would go, that we go sacrificially, that we would go with your kind of love and your kind of humility and service into our community and offer what you have given to us. So Jesus, you are, you are worth being talked about. You are, you are worth being held in highest regard. You are worth, you're worth sacrifice. You're worth blowback from others. You're, you're worth a little embarrassment. You're worth all of that. So, in our lives, in your church, in this community, whose glory and power and honor be to you. And Jesus, we pray these things in your name, amen. So, fantastic to be with you guys. I hope this, I hope this promise fuels you for what you're facing in these days ahead. You, you don't walk out of here even on the, on the brink of defeat. You walk out of here in victory more than a conqueror through him who loves you, so, so go get them <laughs> this week. <laughs> I love you guys. I will see you next weekend.